There's an old saying that bears witness to a day like today. People sleep peaceably in their beds because rough men stand ready to do violence on their behalf. On Memorial Day, we remember the rough men and women of the U.S. Armed Forces who have sacrificed their lives so we can enjoy the blessings of liberty and peace. As a combat veteran of two foreign wars, Iraq and Afghanistan, I tend to experience mixed emotions on Memorial Day that can sometimes vacillate wildly. One minute, I will be in deep anguish and sorrow while remembering my fallen comrades at arms. I mourn the loss of friendship with them and then think about their families left behind, especially the gold star spouses and children whose lives have been radically changed forever. In the next minute, after the wave of grief has crested and fallen, I feel a sense of overwhelming pride. Pride that I was privileged to be friends with such great Americans. Pride of what we accomplished while at war. Pride that we kept the homeland safe while fighting over there. While seemingly paradoxical, it is good and right to experience both ends of the emotional spectrum when it comes to memories of the fallen. In this vein, for the past few years, I've initiated and led a family tradition of reading the Gettysburg Address on Memorial Day. Sometimes we read it aloud at home in the late afternoon before enjoying the inevitable barbecue with friends. Other times, we read it silently before laying a wreath at a soldier's grave in the early morning hours. I want my young daughters to know and understand the high price of freedom. I think oftentimes children grasp more than us adults realize. Our civilization's fragile flame of liberty is able to keep burning brightly because of such moments when generational transfer takes place. Why the Gettysburg Address? Because I believe no other words hold the import and portray the gravitas of what the military dead have given to us, the living. Furthermore, it is much more than a remembrance, as critically important as remembering is. President Abraham Lincoln's speech is ultimately a thunderous call to action. Welcome to the Glorious Professionals Podcast brought to you by GoRuck Media. I'm Jason McCarthy here in the Champagne Room with Emily and our guest today is retired U.S. Army Major William Austin. Will is a veteran of the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan where he was awarded two bronze stars. He served for 12 years on active duty as a JAG attorney. That's what's up. (laughs) (laughs) To include combat deployments with the 10th Mountain Division. You're getting there. Light Infantry, 7th Special Forces Group, Airborne. That's that's the pinnacle of (laughs) of your list. And and let's not forget Navy SEAL Team 5. Will was medically retired on September 11th, 2019 due to a service-connected illness uh, acquired during his deployments to Afghanistan. He's grateful for the caring treatment provided by medical professionals in the U.S. Special Operations Warrior Care Program. On Veterans Day 2019, Will launched Arc of Justice Advocates for Wounded Warriors on Fox News at Night with Shannon Bream. Arc of Justice is a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to reforming the military's medical separation process by representing active duty service members from all branches pro bono and establishing due process protections via Wounded Warrior Bill of Rights. Will help spearhead House Resolution 6466, big number, (laughs) which was signed into law in 2020 with bipartisan support. Arc of Justice is actively building on the HR 6466 legislative success and hope to pass the Wounded Warrior Bill of Rights soon. Will, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Jason and Emily. It's really great to be here. I'm a huge fan of Go Ruck and you guys. So (laughs) I'm kind of like geeking out a little bit here. Thanks. We're surrounded by 
camo and patches and <laughs> multicam and it's it's awesome to have you 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 guys have the best office i've ever seen <laughs> it truly is i'm like Aww. i just want to come work here you guys need some help yeah <laughs> well I, I hear you love pro bono stuff <laughs> <laughs> you have Touché. to be a disabled veteran on active duty all right yeah. no, no, that doesn't even make sense you have to be an active duty uh, wounded warrior so right. that gets pro bono so uh, before we jump right in, I, yeah. th this is something that's been hugely on my mind. Yeah. The word disabled. Mm. Okay. So when you go through your process, yeah. you are labeled disabled. Yeah. What is your disability rating? What, right? is, what is- No, no. I, I'm saying okay. that, is, that yeah. is how that is how people talk sure. about these things. You know, sure. a guy in the office, you know, yep. you know, 30 years in special operations, he got out 30% disabled. Mm, right. Yeah. You know, he, he should be like 10,000%, even though he's, he's doing great. I mean, you know, he was at dinner with Ma and, and grenade pieces are falling out of his, his head. Yeah. Right? I, like, I like, I like where you're going with this. So keep going. And then we'll, so we'll the, the mindset, yeah. the, the mindset of how do we, I mean, you're, you're, you're fighting the good fight here mm -hmm. in the, in the bureaucracy and, and mm -hmm. changing. And th this is good. And we want to talk about why wounded warriors, quote, quote, disabled, why injured, servicemen and women want to continue to serve. I think that's a really important abs message abs that, that we need to talk about because yes. uh, America needs to know that yes. that's the case. This isn't go to war, go to jail. Yep. This isn't anything like that, yep. right? It's sort of, so what I like about your perspective story, all of it is it's kind of wrapped in all of these, th there's a lot of connective tissue here. Like, I, I don't think, I to be real clear, I think the word disabled needs to go away. I agree. Call it wear and tear. I agree. Call it something else. Because if you said, oh, how much wear and tear, like if you spend 20 years, <laughs> if you spend 20 years in special operations, mm -hmm. you should have 100% wear and tear mm -hmm. period at the end. How about a bill? It'll be bipartisan, yep. you know, all these things. So- Anyway, that's that like I like my it. point is is we talk about these things at yeah. GoRuck. We we live and breathe these. These are our people. Yep. Th these are issues that really matter to us. So yeah. let's get to let's We're, get to that or let's go what, what no, do you want to well, talk about? Let's, story. Let, yeah. let's talk about that and then we'll we'll circle back to like Arc of Justice and what I'm doing because I love that. This is a great opening. I've actually never talked about any of that on a podcast, so this is perfect. Because words matter, right? Like nomenclature matters. Um, and, and I'm going to talk about like the nomenclature for Arc of Justice, and then we'll get into this. So I knew when I was founding this organization, I was like, it's very important, the words that I use and like the images, uh, and the inspiration. So Dr. Martin Luther King said, uh, we shall overcome because the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. All right. And then, uh, I have a, so that's where Arc of Justice comes from. And then the Spartan shield is like in our logo. And that's because they were antiquity's greatest, you know, warriors, right? So I took antiquity's greatest violent warriors and combined it with modernity's greatest nonviolent warrior and Dr. King. And that informs our warrior ethos. Mm. And I was like, that's why words and images and symbols matter. So I couldn't agree with you more. So let's talk about this, right? Because a lot of disabled veterans, they do want, they wanted to continue to surf. It hurts my ears to hear, hear that. that. Yeah. It hurts my ears. So, Literally every time I hear it, mm -hmm. I'm just like, this is just wrong. And so let me tell you like why it happened recently. All right. So because from 1775, General George Washington Continental Army at Valley Forge up until 2018, and you know about this, all soldiers had access to their chain of command through what's called open door policy. 
You know, if a, if a commander has the ability and they do to send a soldier Marine into harm's way, cost them life, limb or eyesight, or, you know, affect their life with an invisible illness, you know, autoimmune illness like I have, well, then that soldier should have access to them. So 200 and almost, almost 250 years of unbroken military tradition was destroyed with this creation of the civilian agency, Defense Health Agency, 2018. And what they were motivated to do was to start just like cutting, like it was a, it became a numbers game. Like we're just going to start, if anybody has a headache and I'm exaggerating, we're going to get rid of them because since nine 11, we've had the same, I think it's less than one half of 1% of the population that's fought the nation's wars. So, and they kept recycling us. Now I only deployed twice. Well, you know, like there's some people that have deployed like six, seven, eight times. Right. And like you start getting some wear and tear on your body. Yes. But because of that warrior ethos and because of the mission, because of the love for America and because of the love for, you know, your brother and sister on your right and your left, you're like, I will do anything to continue to serve. And so up until 2018, that was able to happen because the military was like, well, you know, it's an all volunteer army. We don't have a draft. So yeah, you know, Hey, you're, you know, busted up. Like we'll, we'll recycle you, you know, if you want to stay in, but then secretary of defense, Mattis came online as, um, you know, Secretary of Defense from from his Marine Corps time, and he uh, established something called the Player Get Out policy. Now, I'm not going to get into. We just don't have time in this podcast to get into the veracity of whether or not that was a good idea. But what happened is it was a perfect storm because he passed that on January 1st, 2018, and then Defense Health Agency also took over all of the military medical treatment facilities around the world on January 1st, 2018. All right, so now me and everyone around the world in the military does not have access to a military chain of command. If you know, they're being harmed or whatever. And defense health agency was like, Ooh, deploy a get out policy. Okay. How do we look good? Let's start kicking out as many like people who we think are disabled as possible. So it became a numbers game. And so you couldn't fight to stay in anymore if you wanted to, because they had no chain of command. And you were on the front lines of that. I was the tip of the spear. So I was, uh, exposed to an environmental toxin in Afghanistan on a special ops task force deployment. It triggered a very nasty autoimmune illness called Bichette's disease and then POTS. But I thought that I could fight it. I just wanted the opportunity to fight it. Listen, the military is not a welfare state. So if you can't, you carry a rock, you can't like deploy, you know, it's time to go. That's fine. But I was like, let me at least fight it. Cause Bichette's disease is not something that's like, you must kick out. It's you may. So I was diagnosed on January 2nd of 2018 like the day after all this perfect storm started. So I was the tip of the spear for this thing. And instead of allowing me to get medical healthcare treatment, cause you're supposed to get up to a year to fight. They just kicked me out right away. And they knew that they were doing what was wrong. So when I met with the defense health agency bureaucrat, I pointed it out and she said, Oh, you're totally right. Like you should, you should, you know, stay in, you shouldn't be in this like medical separation process. And Jason, I was like, great. Then disenroll me. I was like, yes, this is going to be awesome. And she looks at me and she goes, no, I'm not going to do that. And I'm like, what? Why not? You just said that I shouldn't even be in here. And and I'm not exaggerating. This is exactly what she said. I'll never forget it. This was in August of 2018. She said, because I say so, you're just a number to me. <laughs> That's literally what she said. And why could she have so much hubris? Why could she just be so bold about doing the wrong thing? Because Defense Health Agency is totally unmanaged by any of the army. The army has no power over them. The Navy has no power over them. They report directly up to the Department of Defense and they can do whatever the hell they want without repercussions. And she knew it. And she was like the superstar at DOD, you know, with all the bean counters, because she's producing all these numbers of kicking out veterans. 
or ex excuse me, kicking out active duty wounded warriors. So like, she's a hero to them, but they don't care like how she's doing it. So we're losing. So let's go back to your original opening thing. So we're losing now all of these, like inst we're losing institutional knowledge. We're losing middle management, right? And me, and I'm going to go on, on both ends of the spectrum here. So, so for me, I was 12 years in, um, graduated from tier one law school, Pepperdine had served as an aide de camp for three different commanding generals, you know, got selected to serve, you know, which was my favorite job. Yes. You know, with seventh, first battalion, seventh group special forces, <laughs> uh, my commander, Patrick Colleton, you know, we're so close. That was awesome. I had like all of this experience as a JAG in unconventional warfare deployments. Like I had a lot of institutional knowledge. Now maybe I would never again, like score 300 on the PT test. So were you a, you were the JAG that tried to get to yes. Exactly. Right. Those are the, those are the only JAGs that we <laughs> like. Well, and that's, and that's the thing, right. And like, all right, I don't like it. Cause it's like kind of tooting my own horn here, but I, I knew once I got in there, I'm like, okay, let, let's, I'll use an example of Afghanistan. The guy that I replaced at the, the SODAF in Afghanistan and Kandahar. So this was, I don't even want to say the years cause I don't want people to figure out who it was, but that Jag before me was an absolute nightmare because he was not a get to yes guy. He was mm -hmm. black and white and we operate in the gray. And I, and so when I got there, like the seal team five absolutely hated that guy. And so then no, like, no, no joke. <laughs> so, and they, cause they were carryover legacy, right? I'm coming in with my guys and I had been through seer school, like your Q cool Q course seer school with the guys, which oh, is rare. Camp McCall special. Camp yeah. Slappy. Yeah. Camp Slappy. <laughs> so, right. so I went through it with them. And some of the A team leaders like went through it with me and then we deployed together. So they trusted me because I went through Sears. What school. was your rank in Sears school? Captain. And I was not the SRO. Thank God. Oh man. I was like six away. <laughs> yeah. <All right. laughs> so the senior ranking officer at Sears school, Sears school survival, evasion, resistance, escape. And the SRO is, is basically the only one that the captives want to deal with for a time. And, and everything is the wrong answer. So you get hit every mm -hmm. time, hit and worse every time. And anyway, well, we don't need yeah, to go. No, that, yeah. That's pretty, I didn't know they sent Jags to. Uh, it's, it's very rare. That's a whole nother story. Yeah. I have so many stories we could talk about, but I realized uh, when I was there that my, my job is to not get in the way. My job is under the international law of armed conflict and the rules of engagement. My job is to make sure that we can effectively kill as many of the enemy as possible. And you guys, you're the real heroes on the ground, the door kickers, that they have everything they need at their disposal to kill the enemy and come back safe and protect the guys. It's that simple. So like every single matrix, every single call into the op center, you know, cause I'm now listen, my JAG people are going to like disown me for this. They're like, oh, you've gone native. But like, <laughs> I actually don't think a JAG should be like that in, in that level. I think we should trust the warfighter to make decisions, but you know, there's a whole reason lineage yeah. going back to my and you know, the, the William Cali massacre, there's a whole, you know, Abu Ghraib, there's a whole reason why they inserted JAGs that that's the why. Um, but not, not all bad. Not, not, but, not all bad. But, you know, it's like you get in these big organizations and someone sets a rule and it, it, it does well for lots of things. And, and then there's some, some gaps. Like, I don't think mad dog was trying to, absolutely. you know, no. like th this was not done out of malice. It and wasn't. So let's go, let's go back. Cause I, I want to deal with your case a little bit. Yep. Right. So to be clear though, right. When you get, you get, whatever booted out of the military. Yep. Like you are, it's forced separation, oh, yeah. but it's not like they strip you of all your benefits and it's, you know, so the answer to that is it depends. Um, so let, I'll just talk about my case and cause it gets very complicated. I didn't know any of this stuff, even as a JAG, I had never practiced like admin law JAG, which is basically what this is administrative law. 
You say that with disgust in your voice. Admin. Well, because Admin. so because like administrative. So listen, there's there's like jags that are good at courtroom stuff. I was not one. There's jags that are good at admin and fiscal law. That would make me want to poke my eyes out. And that's where the problems are is when you get like an admin fiscal law jag in like a special ops task force center making decisions. That's a bad day for everyone involved. All right. So if you are there's two actually two ratings that you get. So you get VA ratings, you know, so I'm 90% VA disabled. But the thing that I didn't know about, a lot of people don't, is then there's an army rating too. And that's the one that's critical. And that's actually hard to get a high enough number to be medically retired. You have to get 30% or higher to get medically retired. And you're like, oh, well, that's no problem. You know, if you're 90% VA, then like you should be 30, but it's not. And it's because it's, it's like, you know, quagmire of a system. Not a lot of people get 30%. And so then you do lose everything. If so what's not, not a lot? Not, not, uh, I don't know the numbers off okay. the top of my head. I just know like in the system, it's like very hard. So let, yeah. let me give you this example. There's a lot of people who are hundred percent VA disabled, 10% army. It's, it's like, it's counterintuitive, but it's because of the, the way that they do it. And they say this, it's not just like you have a service connected disability of like sleep apnea, which is like 50% VA disability right there. Right. Everybody knows that. But then like this, that sleep apnea, 50%, it's zero for army because the army disabled rating is like, will this affect you doing your job on active duty? So, so for me, I was 90% VA disabled and then 60% army. So I'm like really effed up because <laughs> like 70% is the highest on the army level. So it doesn't mm -hmm. go higher than 70, maybe 75. Um, but if you don't get to 30%, then you don't, you're not medically retired. Like now, of course I don't get the pension monetary pension anyways, cause I didn't hit 20 years, right? I hit 12, but because I hit 30% army, I am medically retired. So my family and I, we have like TRICARE, you know, medical care, even though I'm out, like I don't have to just go to the VA. So I have all the retirement benefits of like a full 20 year pension, you know, except for the money. So that's a huge deal, but not a lot of people get that. Because so, they're being so you don't through. get any pension? I get no monetary pension. They get, you get a, it's a, it's another convoluted system. You get like a medical health stipend based on your rank, years of service and how dis disabled you are, but you don't get like the, the pension. So if really? you, if you hit 20 years, you get your monetary pension and then whatever your VA disabled rating is, they add that on top of it. All right, so let's just use an example. It, this stuff is like totally complex and convoluted. I'm trying to make it I'm simple. like, never do math in public. Yeah, I know, I, you exactly. know if, if you're out there, just bear with us. <laughs> All right, yeah, exactly. Just bear with us, but so exactly. break this down Crayola right, so, style. So, so yeah, so it, let's say I was an 06 with 22 years retired. So All Colonel. Right? Yep, Colonel. Uh, I would get, just let's say for the sake of argument, $95,000 a year in pension for the rest of my life, just for waking up. All right. That's, that's about what it is. And then if I'm also 90% disabled, well, they take, that's about $20,000 a year. So they say, Oh, congratulations. You get your 95 K plus your 20 K like for the rest of your life. So I'm looking at 115 K. All right. But if you don't hit 20, then they subtract it from one another. All right. So like my medical, like cause they don't call it a pension, but my medical financial benefit is about, I think it's like $43,000 a year. And my VA disability is 20, but they don't add them. 
they subtract them from one another. So my um, taxes last year were like $26,000. So see, so see if you don't hit 20, it's like all or nothing. And then mm. the, the person that hits 20, listen, I don't, I don't think that they shouldn't get it. I think they should get it, but who needs it more? You know, it's the people that well, don't both. have that. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, both every, everyone. Yeah, yeah. Both ends. So, okay. Yeah. So let, let's take a different example, yep. right? So some 11 bang, bang infantryman army yep. goes on his first deployment, yep. gets jacked up, missing a leg, missing a, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. Like he's got one year in what, what happens in. Yeah. Like so, so for him, um, like I highly doubt that he would get, um, enough of a rating to get like the army medical retirement. He would probably get a hundred percent VA. Mm -hmm. Now that, that means is he gets about $40,000 and you know, there's other markers, like how many dependents you have, but sure. for sake of argument, like $40,000 a year tax-free. He's got and, six dependents probably. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey man, love you guys. In, 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 in multiple in a, states. In, a, in, a, in an expensive truck payment. <laughs> in multiple states. Um, but God, I love our infantrymen, <laughs> but then he gets his health care from the VA, you know, and that's it. So whatever family he has, they do not get health care. All right. So it like, it only extends to okay. the service member. So there's huh. like these two, two different parallels. Um, but does you, that answer so that? You had an example of someone that you helped recently that was going to, was almost in the, the pension safe area, but yeah. But, thanks for bringing that up, yeah. Emily. So this is a great example. So one of my clients, he's giving me permission to use his name, Sergeant First Class, Justin Edgecombe. So he, <laughs> talk about kids, he's got 11 children. All right. So <laughs> you were, you thought you were exaggerating using hyperbole. Well, I was you, talking you know, about a first year, yeah, his that, first that, deployment. Yeah, you know? time to make yeah. that many Once kids. he makes E7, he gets up to 11 kids. All right. So <laughs> he's got 11 children, one woman, good guy. He served over 19 years. All right. He, his back got jacked up. He was supposed to get a back surgery instead of giving them the back surgery. He, they initiated this medical separation process. So they're kicking him out less than one year away from 20. It's actually illegal to do that. Like there's sanctuary 18 years, but that's what like defense health agency, this mess has created. So now instead of him, you know, first of all, giving him the back surgery, giving him a chance to stay on active duty and continue to serve if he wants, you know, they're kicking him out like literally months away from a vested 20 year pension, just for sake of argument, let's say E7 at 20, maybe like 55, $60,000 a year pension, you know. But it's also the, you, you talk a lot about, veteran transition and you talk about what's next. And when you're at 10 and you're at 13 and you're at 15, there is a 0% chance that you're going to get out. Right. Like, I mean, okay. Yeah. More than zero, but, yeah. but, but I mean, unlikely you're, you're committed. Yeah. You are committed you're because committed. it's like, look, you have such institutional knowledge and you're going to get to your 20. A lot of people stay past that. Mm -hmm. So what happens then is you have this expectation. Imagine if, imagine if you signed a contract with somebody and the expectation was, Hey, I'm doing a good job. And I'm going to stay here. And this is what my life looks like. And it just gets ripped away from you mm -hmm. for no fault of your own for doing mm -hmm. your job. Yeah. And imagine what that's going to do to your psyche as yeah, well. I, I, but oh, I, yeah. We mentioned this um, yesterday, but what makes, what I think is really unfortunate is that, um, you know, these active duty soldiers are meeting this sort of resistance, this bureaucracy and, and not many people have the stomach to wade through it. Not many people went to law school and want sure. to, are born to argue yep. about this stuff. And they get to the point where they say, you know, enough is enough. I'm, I'm just going to get out and I'll fix it on the other side. Exactly right. Well, the other side, as we've talked about, is replete with a lot of difficulty. 
right? The loss of mission, the loss of support, the I'm navigating a whole new civilian life. You know, I've got dependents, I'm trying to get a job in the, in the workforce. And, you know, all these factors are compounding. And, and when, when, you know, what could have been fixed while they were active duty and, and made their life, their transition smoother is taken away. That's exactly right. And I, and I want to take, this is a good moment, Emily, with that great point you brought up to say like my clients, it's not like a bunch of people who are entitled. They're looking for a handout. They're malingerers, you know, cause that that's how defense health agency, you know, categorizes us like, Oh, well they're just entitled. It's like, no, these are people who have served like in a time of war in an all volunteer army for like 19 years. Like, give me a break. They've already been through the hardships. Yeah. You don't kick them to the curb, like right at the end so that you can save money. Cause that's what it's all about. Right. And so um, let me go to the other end of the spectrum mm -hmm. too, because it's not just people at the end, you know, and getting them the just, uh, you know, benefits that they deserve. It's also robbing the taxpayer of like their best future leaders. So I'm going to talk about my other client. And again, I can use her name, Captain Savannah Elms. She's married. She was with a, a U.S. Um, I guess it's Air Force Special Ops unit married to a Green Beret at seventh group. All right. So like, these are like, these are pot committed people, right? She was four years in a captain. She was the number first female number one graduate from the Citadel Military Academy. She was an athlete. She had um, some kind of like heart issue, but it was resolved. All right. And they were like, you're clear for active duty. But then she came up two years later for a deployment and like this defense health agency, these civilians, they were scrubbing the records. They saw two years ago, he had that heart issue. And what they did was they're like, oh, this is another person that we can kick out. Like, even though she's like, what are you doing? Like, I, I've resolved it. I'm ready Sounds to Sounds like insurance companies. Exactly. And so so they were like, kicked her out. She didn't have access to her Air Force chain of command. Air Force chain of command wanted her to stay in. Seventh group, the special forces, Army seventh group got involved, right? Because it's married to her husband. So it's too long of a story, but like they found out about me and what I was doing. So they called me. So she's actually one of my good news stories. So I filed a congressional on her behalf, fought for her, and we actually got her reinstated to active duty. And she's like serving honorably. She's like a future superstar. So it's not just about transitioning veterans well and giving them. It's also about, okay, are we ready for like a near peer war with China? Like we're losing like our best and brightest of the future with this new stupid like defense health agency. Let military commanders make the decisions on what troopers stay in and stay out. And so that's what the Wounded Warrior Bill of Rights, when you boil it all down, House Resolution 6043, Wounded Warrior Bill of Rights simply does two things. It returns authority over active duty wounded warriors from the civilian defense agency back to the military chain of command where it belongs. It just makes sense. And then it also builds in additional due process protections for the wounded warrior as they're going through this process, because the culture is now like, we're just going to kick out as many as possible. It wasn't that way from 2001 to 2018. It was like, let's find a way to like keep people in. That was more, more the mindset. Mm -hmm. But for the last four years, it's been, you know, it really started with secret restoration with Obama. That's too long to go into, but you know, now it's like, we're cutting our numbers. We're not projecting strength and it's, just, it's, Nobody, not a lot of people know about this, but it's, it's mm -hmm. a travesty. Mm -hmm. Like it really is. And not just for the individual getting justice, like I talked about, but writ large as a nation. Like if we're, if we're like gutting our military of its future best and brightest leaders and its middle management, are we going to be ready for World War III? <laughs> you know, so that's, that's what I'm trying to do. And we're like a rinky dink, small nonprofit, you know, it's just me and my wife. But um, 
I have the ability to get smacked down and take a lot of ad hominem mm-hmm. attacks and people say you're crazy or whatever. And, but you I'm project, just, you project that I, you got you got a face for it. I, I can see tell, that. Tell the Michael Jordan story. <laughs> All right. Michael Jordan story. That's great. So, so, uh, this was like, I think this was like about 12 months into my fight. And so there's an office called the Peblo, which is, um, the PEB, which is part of the medical separation process liaison officer. All right. So I'm like persona non grata. Like they hate me because most people just like you said, Emily, they just, they just roll over, you know? And I'm like, I'm going to fight this. And you know, the, the two of the generals that I had been aide to camp for when I was a captain and they were one star, they got promoted to two and three star. They were now the top Jag generals in the entire army in the Pentagon. So I'm like, I'm going to talk to them. You know, like I served well with special ops. They adopted me into their, you know, lifetime special ops wounded warrior program. Like I'm probably one of the only Jags in there. They give you a coin. <laughs> they did not. <laughs> they gave me a slap on the ass and, and, and said, you can come have a beer with us. So, um, sorry, mom, I swear, swore. Um, anyways, uh, so I went into this office and they just hated me. And, um, I, you know, I just said, Hey, listen, I know you, and they were like, like, they're so cocky about it, you know? And I'm like, listen, guys, one day I just had enough. And I'm like, I know you think that you're going to like, this is going to go away. And cause that's what they think, right? They're like, well, once this guy has his DD 214, we'll never hear from him again. And I'm like, I'm going to dedicate my life to exposing this truth. Because if you're doing this to me, then what are you doing to the 19 year old private? And they would just laugh at me. And I'm like, okay, let me put it for you. Simple. I said, I am like going to be the Michael Jordan of destroying this medical separation process and exposing (laughs) lies. I'm like, you think you've won right now, but we're only in the first quarter. And when does MJ strike? He strikes in the first fourth quarter. So I'm like, you just get ready because I'm going to dunk on your head a couple years from now. And so, you know, they just were they were laughing at me. So then the last eight months, whenever I came in the office, they wouldn't refer to me as major Osten. They were like, Oh, look at it. It's the Michael Jordan of Ida's, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they would, you know, so I was like, all right, like F you all. So I would like sign in, not as major Osten. I would just put Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty sweet. Dude, he's a big, we're, we're big MJ fans. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and you know, I grew up loving basketball and I, I don't even know where that came from and why that came out of me, but I was just like, how old are you? 44, just turned Yeah, 44. so you're just a, couple, a yeah. year older yeah. than than me. I mean, you grew up watching Michael Jordan. That's oh, yeah. where it I came love, from. Yeah. There's Jordan. a poster that hung in my- we're, The we're, life size. Know, yeah. I saw it. We're taking a picture together. Yeah, yeah. so sweet. Yeah. Because, because my special ops like liaison guy from the Care Coalition, I would bring him with me to all this stuff because I wanted a witness, yeah. right? And so he was just like, crap. I mean, he, he got such a kick out of me. He'd be like, sir, you're the best. Like you stay the best stuff. <laughs> okay. So, so what's, what's the, besides the fact we need to burn this organization down because Seriously. so what's the, what's the fix? What's the, what's the bureaucratic impediment? What's the, how do we do this? All right. So what's happening? So we could do a whole podcast about how Congress actually works. Excuse me. Why Congress doesn't work. I know why Congress doesn't work. But we got we only got a few minutes left. So where we're at right now is we don't have Democratic senator support and we need that. So I have Senator Rick Scott from Florida. He is leading the charge. Uh, he's like he's offered he's a Navy veteran. He's awesome. Yeah. And he has offered the Wounded Warrior Bill of Rights to the Senate. We have it in the House. We have strong Republican support with Brian Mast from Florida, Kathy McMorris Rogers from Washington State. Like we're good to go. And that's where it's uh, House Resolution 6043. So anybody listening can go to congress.gov and type in HR 6043 and like track this bill. 
All right. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you want to do on a Friday night. <laughs> but listen, I, all, all joking aside, and I know I'm a nerd about this stuff and it's because it's become my life work and I'm passionate about it, but like, please take like two minutes to just Google whoever your representative is and your Senator and just please call them. It'll take you literally two to three minutes and call them and say, I support the wounded warrior bill of rights, HR 6043. I want you to become a co-sponsor because from now to July 2nd, it's like go time. So it's like we're on the one yard line, but it's, they need to have because Democrats control the House and the Senate. And because they're not supporting this right now. And the only reason they're not they're not not supporting it because of the merits. They're not supporting it because Democrats and Republicans can't play nice in the sandbox together like we learned in kindergarten. So they're literally like, we don't like Rick Scott. We don't like Brian Mast. So we're not going to co-sponsor this bill. That's how stupid it is. And. We are a bipartisan organization, and I want this to be a bipartisan bill. I'm not trying to just talk bad about Democrats. I'm just giving the reality. And because Tulsi Gabbard was, she was amazing, this Democratic Congresswoman who ran for president from Hawaii, and she was our great co-sponsor on our precursor bill. So we've had Democratic support mm -hmm. in the past, which I have a great, should I tell that Is story? Jim Webb or something behind this? Or, so or no, you no, gotta have a couple veterans. So on we're that. trying to get Joe Manchin uh -huh. um, to support it. Um, and then we, we possibly have inroads, uh, into Jason Crow. He's an army ranger, yeah. uh, vet from uh, Colorado. Um, but we're literally on the one yard line, but here's the other people who's stopping yeah. it. And this is what pisses me off. So, and this is what no, I didn't know this. So there are these people on the Senate armed services committee and the house armed services committee called professional staff members, PSMs. They're like, unelected, unappointed. They're like lifetime. They're PSM, there forever. That doesn't sound. Yeah, no, it doesn't sound <laughs> terrible. It sounds too close to hey, terrible. Hey, hey. Like it is terrible. Watch it. <laughs> Just switch a few letters and you have them. Describe perfectly. <laughs> okay. So if DC is a swamp and it is, the PSMs are at swamp gnomes. All right. <laughs> like that, that's what they are. And so, so guess who created defense health agency? PSMs. PSMs. All right. So now like I'm on the precipice of passing this landmark legislation and like the PSMs are like, no, we don't support it. Why? Be no good reason. It because like a science. This is our baby. Exactly. Yeah. You and I. So that's what I was going to say. It's like a Seinfeld episode where it's like, I'm calling their baby ugly. Yeah. <laughs> that's all it is. Like there's literally no merits I've provided. So I've accumulated over 5,000 documents. I've collated it, you know, into a like very succinct 62 yeah. page index document. Everything's provable. Very succinct 62 page document. Yes, that's, it is very succinct. Yeah, that's sweet. Yes. Yeah. You're going to read this on Friday night. And you're going to be happy. You got it. So it's got index alpha to kilo right here. Yeah. And, you know, people can like flip through and like I can point out and then, you know, it's uh, there, there's standards of evidence. It's the higher highest standards of it's beyond a reasonable doubt. You know, which is like they they can't fight it. Okay, so a couple things we need yeah. to we need to rally some support, specifically some Democratic senators. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, we need more veterans to run for Congress. Absolutely. And, and like, I don't care which side you're on. Literally, yeah. like, I believe that because I'm with you on this kind of, you know, you you learn so much from, from serving our country and especially in a time of war, you're just, you know, you're put on that precipice and you're, you respond and it develops great leadership potential. And how do we kind of take advantage of that? I mean, we spend so much money. I mean, I, I'm at least in part a byproduct of the post 9-11 GI bill, mm -hmm. which is why I brought up 
Jim Webb. Yeah. You know, he spearheaded that through. That costs a ton of money. Thank you, so American taxpayer. You, you got it. Whatever right. you think, you know, however I've been useful to, to things, a large part of it is because of, of the time that I had yeah. to kind of transition and get my head right and do all those things. We need to stop calling people disabled. Yep. Right. You need to have some wear and tear rating or something like mm -hmm. that. We need to kind of change the nomenclature, change the it. nomenclature, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I think it is that whole system just sounds terrible. Like this, this, I never heard of the army disability rating. I I've heard of mm -hmm. the VA one. That's kind of the big one that people talk about. Right. And it sounds miserable. And it sounds like, like some of the people that we owe the most to are just getting screwed. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, that you stated it perfectly and, and, and I'll be clear here. Like we're not talking about, this isn't a VA problem. Like I've called the wounded warrior bill of rights preventative medicine for the VA, right. because if you're mistreating people, wounded warriors, while they're still on active duty, well, yeah, they can't then transition. Well, mm -hmm. they can't, Give them the best chance to be a productive member of society so they don't become a number, the 22 per day committing suicide or however many tens of thousands are homeless out there. Right. So like, I'm not even dealing with VA problems because yeah, everybody like bagging on the VA. I'm like, this is preventative medicine. Like, let's not grow the number of 22 per day. Let's lessen it. Right. All right. And then I know we're almost out of time here, but I want to transition real quick because I'm yeah. kind of doing arc of justice. I, I want a visionary for what's next for us. Mm -hmm. So like- I don't want to be doing this for the rest of my life. Like my wife is awesome. And she's like, cause I had to ask her permission cause I'm all in for this. So we, we represent, Smart man. <laughs> <laughs> we represent clients for freaks. I'll never charge a dime of somebody. So we rely on donations and you know, I launched the, <laughs> I launched my nonprofit like a few months before COVID, you know, ter terrible time, you know, to, but also the, the greatest time. Right. So it, it's been a challenge, like even just putting food on the table for us. So I'm like, babe, I'm not going to do this forever. I will go use my law degree. I'll make some money. You know, <laughs> it won't be like this hand to mouth. It's been for four years, but she is with me. We are going to complete this mission no matter what it costs. And then, um, we start, have started visioneering like, okay, once the window warrior bill of rights pass, the gaps close, we fix this problem, landmark legislation, what's next. And I'm like, babe, let's dream big. And so I'm going to transition Arc of Justice Advocates for Wounded Warriors to the Arc of Justice Foundation. And what my dream is, this is going to cost, this is going to require probably tens of millions of dollars, but I want to like buy some land in Tennessee and I want to build like an Arc of Justice like center or headquarters or whatever. And what we do is we get wounded warriors to come for a week in the summer and it's not, and I'm not trying to denigrate what other people do. It's amazing, but it's not just like, come and we'll, you know, we'll take care of you for a week. Thanks for your service. Like, you know, like, no, this is like a boot camp. So you're going to come here. We're going to give you the tools to get healed, to get restored. We're going to call out the heroic in you that was maybe killed because of your disability or whatever. We're going to call that back out, whatever spark that was that caused you mm -hmm. to join in the first place. And then we're going to network you and give you tools to go back to your communities, be a productive member of your society. And you create your little band of brothers. You guys are doing this with your Go Ruck Clubs. Go join a Go Ruck Club. All right. And, and then... You find a person, you find another drowning wounded warrior and you bring him next year. And then we mm -hmm. replicate this. Mm -hmm. And so because of um, everything that I've done, uh, I've just, you know, time does not allow for me to tell you about all the stories with Shannon Bream and Tulsi Gabbard, like all these people that I've met and developed relationships with. So now I've kind of built this network of people that I know will come for that week. You know, like, I mean, 
Sam Hunt, like the country music star, like mm. people are going to come if they like have access to Shannon Bream. But I'm like, this is not just a vacation getaway. This is training for you. Mm -hmm. There's going to be reading ahead of time. There's going to be requirements and papers that they have to write to show that they're serious. And then I think, okay, instead of the 22 per day, instead of, you know, this epidemic of homeless veterans, we can flip the script on it. And obviously it's not just going to be all our justice foundation, but we're, we're going to become right. another, you know, that's like, don't give in to the mentality that you're disabled. You're done now. You're, you know, you've been, you've had something that's made you a victim, but don't get into the victimized mentality. Be victorious. Right. All right. Like take the obstacle is the way Marcus Aurelius, right? Be thankful for the difficulties that have been presented to you and you use them to like turn them into opportunities for greatness. So we're just going to like you guys, I'm preaching to the choir here because I follow <laughs> your stuff. I know you're the same way, but I don't think I'll, there probably are some things that do this, but I just want it to be a training ground for greatness for them to become citizens again. And so I, I hear you on the flipping the script. We were talking with Sarah Wilkinson just the other day on, you know, the veteran suicide awareness mm -hmm. issue. And, you know, she said something that really resonated with me. She said, you know, I, I think it's going to take those of us from within this, this family, this military family to heal those within first. And exactly. then, and that's the flipping of the script. Exactly. And, and, and like you're saying, it's, it, 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 and then we can take that broader. But I think this is, this, it's a real, it's a real problem. It's a real epidemic um, that we're dealing with. And, and we've, we've got to, we've got to partner up with people like you and other organizations and other people that are, are seeing that and wanting to make some change. Yeah. And so for, for our justice foundation too, like the beautiful thing is I'm glad, I'm glad you brought up Sarah. Cause you know, my wife, Jen, so she didn't, you know, serve on active duty, but she's been my caregiver, right? Like she's, she's lived this with me. So she just got selected to be an Elizabeth Dole foundation caregiver fellow. And so then, you know, we're going to do some things like for the caregivers too. Mm -hmm. And then, and uh, they call them hidden heroes. And then my daughter's you know, the, the kids of wounded warriors, like, of course they're affected by that and they're called hidden helpers. And so we're going to do something for children. And like, I, there's not time to read this, but one of the things that always makes me cry whenever I read it is one of my twin daughters, uh, Kate, she wrote a letter to president Trump when she was in fourth grade. So it was like a couple of years ago when all this was, stuff was starting, basically asking him to like support the wounded warrior bill of rights. So yeah. we, you know, never, never got to him, but it's this beautiful letter she hand wrote it page and a half. And, and in there she said, uh, and I'm probably will get emotional. Uh, she said, what happened to my dad was wrong, but he's turning it into something good by helping others. Mm -hmm. And I was like, my daughter, like, cause I'm, I, sometimes I feel bad. I'm like, I'm doing all this stuff. I'm putting my family through hardship, you know, but I want to complete the mission. We're on board together. But I'm like, I actually have given my daughters a gift because they're seeing me fight and they're seeing me like not give in to like, oh, woe is me, you know? They're like, okay, this was wrong. I'm never gonna give up until this is mission complete. I'm just doing the freaking warrior ethos. That's mm -hmm. all I'm doing. I'm just doing what the army like instilled in me and inculcated in me. So it's it's nothing, it's nothing heroic or great that I'm doing. It's just doing my duty and then trying to, and that's why I wanted to be here with you guys today mm -hmm. because you have this great footprint into the military veterans community. And I just want to grasp grassroots awareness that mm -hmm. this is not okay. This unaccountable bureaucracy will not get away with treating the heroes of our nation this way. And we'll pass them into our bill of rights and then we'll create something to flip the script. Awesome. Doing some good work out there. 
Michael Jordan. <laughs> Is it's, it four? Are we in the fourth quarter? <laughs> we we are literally in the fourth quarter. I think <laughs> I think we're in the last two minutes of the fourth right. quarter. Um, and here's the beautiful thing is even if it doesn't get done this year, um, I'm, I'm like very, very confident that we're, we're well positioned for 2023. Like we're, we're literally like they can't, they, and all right. So let me say this too. So I just got picked up by uh, a Hollywood film company called Empower Pictures and they're going to do, I have to raise money for it, but they've agreed if I can raise 1.2 million, they're going to do a high level documentary. This company was founded by the guy that was Mel Gibson's right-hand man for Braveheart. We were Mm. soldiers in Passion of the Christ. They're totally legit. They did machine gun preachers. They do high level stuff. So, you know, listen, if they continue to like obfuscate fine. I'm going to publicly shame you with a well-done documentary. Like I will never quit. Like, I don't care if this takes me another five years. So eventually like justice will be done. And that's why I founded it based off of Dr. King's thing. Cause the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. The Spartans were like outnumbered 2 million Persians to the 300. And they were like, good, then we'll fight in the shade. I love <laughs> overwhelming obstacles. It's only a matter of time because time and truth is on my side. And that's how you overcome tyranny. If you don't give up. <laughs> Michael Jordan, it has been <laughs> awesome <laughs> having you in the champagne room. Thank right. you. And, so uh, so yeah. tell, remind us, what do people need to do okay. before July 2nd? All right. So, so you know what? Just go arcofjusticeusa.org, A-R-C mm-hmm. of justiceusa.org. Just go there. Everything is in there. But if you could just please Google your congressman and senator and call them and say, please support House Resolution 6043, the Wounded Warrior Bill of Rights. We don't like how our wounded warriors have been mistreated. Everything's on the website, arcofjusticeusa.org, but it's from now to July 2nd. Okay. It's freaking go time. And, you know, if we don't get it into the National Defense Authorization Act, you know, the the military's omnibus bill, then that's fine. Every year we make incremental progress. Mm -hmm. And I just won't won't rest until we're done. So maybe I'll be back on here 10 years from now, (laughs) and I'll still be fighting it. You know, (laughs) I've already lost all my hair, and my beard's (laughs) gone from gray to white. But that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) it's listen guys you are awesome like we just love you so much and it's it really i mean i'm geeking out here a little bit Mm. but like just thank you for everything you've done and you're obviously not a nonprofit organization you know you're a business but you've done everything with excellence and you're giving back to the community like through your outstanding you know excellence in business and uh, i just have so much hope by seeing couples like you and businesses like you so you've really inspired me and uh, I know we're like this small nonprofit and you've allowed us to have your platform of influence that you've paid a price for. And I know that's not about me or Arc of Justice. It's about the mission set, but not everybody does that. So I just thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thanks for joining us, man. It's yeah. like been interesting. I've, I enjoy this stuff where I, you know, learn, learn some new stuff, right? <laughs> Absorb some passion. This is, this is good for the soul. So, yeah. all right, to all of you who are out there, Thank you so much for listening and we'll link everything in the, in the everywhere. And <laughs> thanks again for coming on, joining yeah. us here in Florida, the capital of freedom in the universe. <laughs> it's awesome to have you and we'll, we'll check you next time. Thanks brother. <laughs> <laughs>